Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. So this intro is quick and sweet. Today's show is with someone I met right before Rona became a national emergency, but we're part of the same team at work at a new job I started just as the pandemic was starting to rage in the United States. This guy wears a lot of hats, from writer to artist to video producer, but let me stop talking so you can get to meet him for yourself, right here on Planet Noun. Okay, so a lot of people say 2020 was a year of a lot of trash, and I think it was a year full of a lot of trash because, you know, you have more than 350,000 people dead from a virus, um, a lot of racial unrest in 2020, but that was also the year that I met my next guest, you! <laughs> so, <laughs> so just to give a, a quick background, we uh, both work at uh, Black News Channel. It's a new startup. If you haven't heard about it, you should check it out. Um, I'll link on my website to uh, to how you can watch and where you can find it. But this guy right here, Miguel Asua, is a lot of things. He is an artist. He's a songwriter. I'm reading your bio straight from Clubhouse. By the way, if y'all don't know about Clubhouse, you're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's an artist, a songwriter, a producer, a creative director, and he edits for the Black News Channel here in the Washington, D.C. Uh, area for the D.C. Bureau. And this dude wears a lot of hats and he wears them all well, in addition to the beanie that he has on right now, for those of you who can see this. You're making Some, me sound real special. I, you know, thank you for that. Well, I'm just I'm just reading what's here and I'm, I'm just reading the facts because, yeah. so, you know, I just deal in facts. Yeah. So. One thing I want to start off with, I'm just going to stop by, start by hopping into the deep end. So I remember one time uh, we were we were still in the bureau because we're all working from home now, pretty much. But during one of our many conversations, you said, you know what, Liz, I can't keep forcing ambition on other people. Mm. I don't remember what we were talking about because we talk about a whole range of a range of things. But um, I remember I said, I think I need to write that one down. I cannot keep and. Amb- keep forcing ambition on other people. And I've seen by just the way you operate that that kind of informs your work ethic or what I call it just, it grows out of your cell. It's in your cells. It's in your bones. So talk about that. You can't keep forcing ambition on other people and how that basically informs how you move in the world. Yeah. For me, it's, 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 it's when you learn how to get from point A to point B in a way that, rely strictly on hard work you learn to value certain ethical things as it pertains to the work so so for me ambition has been something that and i you know i i hate to use that word ambition because it makes you sound so you know whatever but really is 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 when i'm trying to accomplish something i'm gonna get my mission accomplished because i set in goals and I set in a plan to attain my goals. And then I set in a contingency plan in case if all else fails, I know this is how I'm still going to accomplish my task. So I've been fortunate enough to deal with a lot of failures. (laughs) You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. through those, you learn the value of sticking to your plan. And so ambition comes in the same way for me. You know, so oftentimes when I'm dealing with with people who haven't found the value in operating like that, it's not for me to force it on them because I find myself in a position where I'm speaking to someone that's not ready for this conversation, you know, or I'm trying to teach someone that might not be ready for this lesson, or I might be trying to imply something to someone that may not be ready to receive it yet, you know, so 
in my eyes, in, in my mind, the way I operate, if I meet someone that, you know, is operating in a way that may not be aligned with how I operate, it's not for me to force it on them. I can only, you know, try to educate, try to share, but they have to learn that desire to want to attain that thing. And so I think that's what I was sort of speaking of just to sort of wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So where did you get that desire from? Where did that come from? Is it innate? Is it something that you learned from family members or like, have you always just been that way? Man, my uncle sent me a photo yesterday and it's a photo of me, you know, back we used to have a Walkman, you know, so I had the Walkman and I had on some two rope slippers and I'm, I'm country. Okay. This, I had to be five years old. And I had my headphones on and I'm rapping. He said, look, I remember when you first started rapping. I, it was funny for me because I get photos like that a lot. More so now, I guess now because my family's starting to see me really do what I said I was going to do. And so they're digging up the crates and I'm getting more of these photos that remind me of my genesis, sort of where this all started from. You know, I didn't know that I was in a studio at eight years old writing songs. I didn't know that I had picked up a camera. One of my cousins sent me a photo. I had a, it was the Home Alone camera. Mm-hmm. Now it was a Home Alone microphone. Mm-hmm. And then I had the camera, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, you can see the excitement in my face when I'm holding the camera. And I had to be, I don't know, seven when, when you know, but those images sort of remind me that, okay, I have been doing this for a very long time. Now, where the ambition comes in or where, you know, sort of how I operate now, right. it's 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 from a place of having to get things done no matter what. You know, okay. um, I grew up, I was born in Cameroon. I grew up on the south side of Houston, Texas. And I've been a nomad my whole life. And I've been involved in two different worlds, an African world and an and, and American world. And so T'Challa in the Black Panther is sort of like a great example of how my mind has been my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't fully operate in this world because they don't fully accept me. I can't fully operate in this world because they don't fully accept me. And in the midst of all that kind of drama, I'm still dealing with family issues. I'm still dealing with my own issues. I'm also dealing with my stubbornness at mm-hmm. the time, you know, as a, as a youth. And so I found myself having to deal with a lot of circumstances to get things done. And so if I'm walking to work every day, right, I'm building my, I'm building my calf muscles, all that, because I'm walking to work every day. This is my daily routine, and I know no other way. You know, when I'm able to get to the point to where I can buy that bicycle, that commute to work gets a little bit more smoother. But I'm still probably pedaling heavier because I come from walking every single day. Now, when I get that car, I'm riding a little bit more smoother. <laughs> because I still come from pedaling that bike and from walking every single day. That's the same way my work ethic is sort of kind of, that's a good way I just described it, man. Wow. I need to down- <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. I can pull the clip so you can have it. <laughs> or if you were recording yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's, that's really how my mind operates. It's, I come from a place of doing things the real brute hard way. Right. And it transfers over no matter what realm I move in, it transfers over some some values are and they leave, uh, you know, you can apply them to so many different things right. and hard work or just dealing with hardship and turning it into something is one of those values that you just take with you your whole life. 
Do you remember the spark? Because I know you told me about pictures that like family members and people send you, like your uncle sent you and other family members sent you of you, you know, writing in the studio or recording. Do you remember that spark when you said, you know what? Okay, I know I thought about this for a while, but that moment of spark when you said, okay, this is something that I'm going to do. And then that other spark when you realize this is something I can do, or did those sparks happen at the same time? They have been at totally different times. So uh, are we are, are we talking in terms of the music or in terms of the video and production? Oh, you know what? Okay, let's talk music now, and then let's talk video and production. So the music, the sparks for the music. So the sparks for the music. I'm literally looking at a, uh, my brother's album. My brother was a rapper from the South, very successful rapper. He passed away a few months ago, but I'm looking at his album because that's the same album that I literally rapped my first rap on. And so I had a habit at the time of bugging my brother. It's just, you know, I'm a little kid. I love my big brother. And so I'm bugging him every single day. And this is in Houston, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember this one day, I, he wasn't having it, man. You know, he wasn't having it. So I came in his room, I barged him on. He used to have his karaoke machine. Mm-hmm. I my mother bought it for him. He had his karaoke machine and he'd be in his room before he, you know, I don't know what he does when he leaves his room and he goes out with his partners. But when he's in his room, I know he's in there writing, recording. And I'm, I, I just want to hang on my big brother, man. I just want to, you know, um, I barged in on him writing and um, I don't know what energy space I disturb. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> He beat my behind. You know, I can't cuss on here. He, yeah, I got them. Yeah, he really beat me up. And so I, I remember running away and I, I can't go snitch to my mama because if I tell her, I'm going to get it again because I, I was wrong for even doing what I did by going in his room and disturbing him like that. But he eventually came back around um, through the course of the day and he said, come on, man, I got something for you. So I go in his room. I'm I'm excited. I, I remember I, I was like, I was nine years old. I'm, I'm excited. I'm just like, okay, he wants to hang. Okay, what's going on? So he says, grab that microphone. And I think he was testing me, right? Mm-hmm. He said, grab that microphone on that karaoke. And he handed me a sheet of paper. And he said, say, rap these words. Like, you heard me rap, right? I know you heard me rap, right? Rap these words. So for me, I'm like, this is all I got to do so I could be cool to hang with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Listen, I, I took, I took, Look, I, look I, I don't have a piece of paper, but I took that piece of paper. <laughs> I, said, I read the words like it was the last piece of breath. I... <laughs> I was rapping my butt off. I didn't even know I could rap this. You know, so I was rapping. And I, I, I remember the flow. Mm-hmm. Is that Draper and that Moosey? We wrote, and it, you know, I got to give you the scrawny voice. It goes, <clears throat> Is that Draper and that Moosey? We rolling on the swingers. And then my little rap part came in. It's that boy Miguel. My pocket's going to swell. I'm going to come through and I can't go to jail. Oh, I rap my butt off, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. That's, that's, that's the first that prepubescent voice. <laughs> I had to give it to you the right way, you know? So I'm sitting there watching my brother's face and I'm like, this dude is really intrigued. Like, I, you know, when you look in somebody's eyes and you can see him just like amazed, like they, so he didn't- I didn't, know, I didn't know you can do that. I saw you, but I didn't see you like that. I, I didn't believe it. 
I didn't even know that he could not because he used to always look at me upset. That's just how I'm looking at his poster right now. And he has a very ugly face on that post. That's just how his face is. So for him to just be silent, it's two things. He's either about to whoop me again or he really likes what I'm doing. And so, you know, you know, you know, when you're a kid and you see somebody liking what you do, you you kind of get hyped and you start really going into it. And mm-hmm. so I really went into it. And that was the moment where my brother realized there was something and he started bringing me around to the studio. Um, anyone who is familiar with Houston or Southern music, you might know names like Lil Kiki, Zero. There was a record label in Houston called Presidential Records. That's where a lot of these, a lot of rappers that are big now mm-hmm. uh, from the South, the ones from Texas, a lot of them came through Presidential Records in some kind of way. And, and my brother was an artist on that. Okay. And so I've been in, the, I started going to the studio with him. And at the time, I'm not knowing these are like, this is zero. This is big pokey. These I, I don't. I'm just happy to hang with my brother and all of his cool friends. Mm-hmm. And he just started introducing me in that environment, and it, it 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 turned into a passion of mine where I just knew my safe space was around music. The thing mm-hmm. that I love to do and the thing that I love to be around is music related. And so it just sort of grew. I kept writing. He kept bringing me around. Um, I made. I I recorded my first song. <clears throat> On the south side in a studio, in a very big studio. Um, I'm looking at their poster now. I have a lot of I have a studio with posters on the walls and everything. So I, it it's it's my affirmations in my music. When I need motivation, I look at the wall and I see people who I love. And um, but yeah, that's how I got into music. And that's mm-hmm. how that that was a spark for me. What developed into a career, if you will, because I do make money from music now and I am um, I, I do have work that is professionally out there, mm-hmm. but that turning point for me, I think it was college. Okay. Um, for music specifically, or is that music and video production kind for, of both? For, for, for music specifically. And uh-huh. here's why, because in high school, everybody knew me as, you know, I was, I was very, I was always silent. I was bad, but I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really bother people. I was just one of those dudes that just was silent, but when it came to music, <laughs> Can we let's let's back, let's backtrack a little bit. You said I was silent. <laughs> I was bad. But I was silent. <laughs> See, normally where I went to school, normally the bad people were the loud ones. <laughs> and I was I was very silent. I was very silent. And and that's why because everybody knew because I was chill. But they knew I was different. They because I was just chill. And I'm this is when I moved up here. I was from so I'm southern. I'm up here. I'm dressing different with the oversized white tees. Like I couldn't bear, I could never wear no shirt this tight. You know, back in high school, it was no way. But I was just different, but I was silent. But every time, we, you know, we used to have talent shows and stuff like that. And I would always just grab the mic. And so they started calling me different things. I went from Solo to Lupe Fiasco because I used to look like him, apparently, to Andre because I used to sound like Andre the way I used to rap. And um, that high school wasn't even it for me. That was still a hobby. It wasn't until I got to college and... I did a show. I opened up for I think it. I don't. I, I think it was Young Jeezy. But being on that stage and granted, I'm nerves. I'm I'm ready to die when I stand and I see the whole campus. Because at this point, the campus knows what I do. And this and is at uh, Bowie State. This is at Bowie State University. Okay. But being on that stage and commanding that crowd and seeing that attention it blew my mind away. Like, wow, this is what I see on TV. And I'm really doing this right now. It, it, that was a moment where I'm like, okay, I got to take this serious. And I never stopped ever since then. I, I've, I've, I've kept it going, but it's, 
because it is still my passion, because it is still something that I really do. And I, I write every single day. It's, it's sort of like my diary. It keeps me sane. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line between wanting to do it professionally and then wanting to do it because it's part of my process, you know, hmm. for like my daily therapy. So where are you at now? Like, how I'm, would you would you do this professionally if this were the only thing like if life presented it to you? Hey, yeah. this is this is a pathway for you and you could make all of your living this way. Ultimately, yes, I have. I've had a few offers um, and it's now where I'm at now in 2021. Um I have found that balance. I've tr- I can truly say I found that balance. And I have a team that's helping me to um, emphasize on that balance. So there's certain things I don't have to worry about now. So I can still create from a safe space and or, or from a pure space, not having to worry about um, some miscellaneous things that go on behind the scenes in music. I can just focus on my art. I send it to the studio. They mix it. You know, when it's time for distribution, we talk about what we're trying to do, how we're going to do it, when and why and all that good stuff. So now I have that balance. But before it was very hard because I was dealing with fear. I'm dealing with also my own personal issues. I'm dealing with time. I'm dealing with trying to make money from a job. I'm dealing with you're, you, you deal with life and you tend to just drop the thing you love the most because it's not earning you anything back in terms of a financial gain or nothing like that. But you know, I've learned the value of not doing that anymore because that same thing that brings me peace is the same thing that's bringing me money now. Hmm. Hmm. Can you, can you say that again for, for the for the children in the back? <laughs> the same thing that brought me peace or that brings me peace is the same thing that brings me money now. So it is possible to have both. It's very possible to have both. Yeah. And it's also possible to run a production company because you do that too. I do that as well. I so sure. let's talk about that spark. Oh uh, man, the production company. Um, I, so the spark to turn it into turn what I do, cause I've always had a camera in my hand. It, it's, 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 um, here's where the spark was. I know. Boom. It was my cousin's wedding. It was my cousin's wedding. And I've never till date, I've never been able to reproduce the results from that wedding video. You know, my cousin was getting married. She's, Cameroonian um, black and her husband now husband is Asian. And so I'm, I'm going down to George. I'm like, look, man, I'm gonna just grab my camera. Cause I, I was still doing, I'm, I'm on campus shooting all kinds of stuff. And I just took the camera with me. I said, man, let me go shoot my cousin's wedding and learn how to do something new. Cause I'm always trying new things. I'm always experimenting. I just come from that background of, okay, if, if, if no one is going to let you, shoot their wedding, go shoot your own wedding and find a way, make a way. And that's exactly what I did. But I didn't know really what I was doing. I really didn't know the power in just going out and doing that for my cousins. I shot the wedding. <clears throat> Looking back now, that's probably the worst wedding I've ever shot. You know, <laughs> because I, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Mm-hmm. And I cringe when I see some of those shots now. But um, but it I, sounds like something came from that, that, that yeah, you so, cannot, money can't buy. Man, I pieced it together on my little broken laptop. Uh, I don't. I think it was. I don't know what software I used, but I pieced it together and I put it on YouTube. And I think it was a combination of the rawness of it and also the title, because you know YouTube. This is when YouTube first started off, and it was really all about getting those hit titles and people click on. It. Now it's all about the clickbait and all that. But back then it was all about. You see that headline? You you know. So it was titled African Asian Wedding. And then when you clicked on it, it's you can tell somebody definitely shot the wedding, you know, like a, a person. But mm-hmm. 
it's not professional at all. I just threw images together. And so one thing I'm very good at that I noticed that let me from that moment intrinsically that I could make turn it into money. I'm very good at understanding what's going on, at feeling the energy. I'm very good at connecting the dots and the pieces. Um, that's sort of what I do for the production company, right? So that I was able to find music that felt like what I felt. I was able to find some graphics that felt like what I felt. And then I was also able to create, like put them all together in a way that I knew people were going to be able to receive it because music has a way of bringing out certain emotions behind certain images that you just can't, you know, deny the value of it. People, we always chase that emotional appeal. That's what art is all about. You know, that's what everything we do, even with this Zoom, when people see it when, with, or with the podcast, you, they have to have an emotional appeal in order for it to really sink. And it's all about that emotional appeal. And so that video brought out tears, laughter, all kind of stuff from what people told me. And it gained over 300,000 views on YouTube. Wow. And I didn't even know at the time. My cousin, she couldn't walk around the mall without somebody stopping her down in Georgia. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, you know, country folks, man. Yeah, yeah they will, they will yeah. roll up to you and talk. <laughs> oh, you big on YouTube, man? Oh, African Asian. She was getting all kind of comments, and I had blogs reaching out to me because it was on my on my page on YouTube, and um, you know, they, I just gave her the context, but that specific scenario with shooting her way and let me know okay there's something here there's something here i was able to work got some got a better camera got better audio still rough when i look at all that footage from the first two three years um i can't stomach it but i had to go through that you know um that that was a spark for me man that let me know okay and it it really just went about the wedding because i did that just trying to get into the wedding videography because people don't just let you shoot they wedding; they have to build trust with you you know Um, so shoot. And then I started out just doing like my friends and family. Like I find somebody who I know ain't got no money for a wedding. I'm like, let me go on. You shoot your wedding. Cause show me 100, 200. I got you. You ain't even got to, you ain't even got to stress about this. Like I'll make you look good. You don't even have to stress about this. I got you. Give me that responsibility. Keep your money. You and your wife don't love it. Cause you ain't spending nothing, but you getting something good. And, um, my friends trust me. Um, because I wouldn't do that if I didn't have the confidence that I could make them look good to the best of my ability. Even though I cringe at that footage, I did the best that I could at the time. You know what I mean? So, um, and now I run big weddings, you know, when I do have contracts. So it's, 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 that moment was big for me, but I don't think I would have had that spark had I not just grabbed that camera, just gone and did it because it would have stayed in the space of a hobby versus mm-hmm. something I could turn into a business. Okay. So I I do want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned. So I noticed one uh, few minutes ago or several minutes ago, you mentioned having to work through fears when, you know, when it comes to being an artist in music. Mm -hmm. But then you also said when it comes to videography that you know what you're good at. You know how to connect the dots and you know how to make things, you know how to make things work. So how do you straddle fear and confidence? Because in our in our in our uh, conversations that we have, bruh, you are like way confident. But at the same time, I get that. OK, you know what you need to improve. You have this self-awareness. So 
how does that all factor into into who you yeah. are and how does it not prevent you from moving forward? Because some people get sidelined by fear. I'm just going to say, Liz, you're good. You are good. Look, I'm a little, give me a second to congratulate you real quick. Journalism 101. Yes. We're going to clap Liz real quick. Good job. Okay. Rear it in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question there? <laughs> so, okay. So um, you were talking about uh, how when you were. I'm totally fan. I got you. Oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so for me, it's, 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 it recently, right? I just ended my fast Sunday yesterday. And the reason, one of the reasons why I fasted is because I tend to live in my head a lot when it pertains to things that have to deal directly with me. You know what I mean? When it deals with other people, I step into my role and I do what I do. And I invest time to be the best version because I don't like letting people down. I don't like being the cause of failure. I don't like being the reason why something is not moving in the right way or the right way. You know, I'm big on propagating change and propagating things to be successful. Now, when it comes to me, I get to be a punk sometimes, to be honest with you. And I'm not a... I, I got my hand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to be a punk, but I'm going to explain why. You know, you see, you know, people, yeah, outside is a different story. But when it comes to me, I live in my head. I live in my head so much to the point to where it's like, I have to go hiking. I have to force myself to go hiking just to get away from technology, get away from people, get away from city and just and just be in a place of solitude and peace, if you will. Now, when it comes to me, so it's it's almost like I'm trying to tell myself you're good at this. But then I'm also trying to tell myself who you're trying to prove. It's like I'm it's it, it sounds crazy, but when it comes to my art. And how it affects me, because it's coming from a place of truth. And so, for instance, my music, mm-hmm. I will write a song telling you how my day was. Right. My issue about putting that song out is, OK, people don't want to hear about my day. OK, but what if they what if they think this? What if they think that you get to thinking these you you start to create the fears all because you don't see the possibility of being great. Well, what if, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. something that I've struggled with so much because anything that pertains, it, it's, 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 it wasn't until recently, um, my mother told me humility can sometimes come, up, come, come across as arrogance. You know what I'm saying? And that hit me hard because I had did something phenomenal as it relates to music. I had a record that made it to, um, <clears throat> it, it, made, it, it was on a compilation project with, with Tracy Braxton and a few other artists and it was released on Valentine's Day. And I went home to go see my mother. And, you know, she's asking me how it went. I told her, oh, it's cool. You know, they released it. But I didn't tell her that the video is, is, has thousands of views and this, that, and the third. And I'm just, you know, I'm downplaying it because I hate to talk about myself, right? But that's when she turned around. And I remember like it was yesterday. She's cooking and she turns around with that look in her eyes. Like, humility can come across as arrogance sometimes. And all what she's telling me is there are people that would kill to be in my position. And here I am not even happy that I just, that's what she was telling me, you know? So, but that comes from a place of me just not, I'm never satisfied when it comes to me. I'm always seeking and chasing and thinking there's more, there's better, or I'm operating from a place of, of, of doubt versus from a place of faith. It, you know, so I have to check myself constantly not to live in that realm. And so that's how I can go from being in production 
and I'm doing everything because I'm, I'm doing it for other people, right? I'm literally doing it for other people. So I'm serving, I'm serving. When it comes to helping people and serving, I'm, 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 I'm all in. This is what I love to do. Now, when it comes to me, because I've been, you know, I grew up the way I did and I've dealt with life the way I have, anything that pertains to me, I've, I, I grew up feeling like I wasn't good enough, like I wasn't worthy enough, you know, like, people aren't really going to accept me for who I am based on how things have been in the past. You know what I mean? So now I, in 2021, really 2020 was it for me is when I really found that boost that I needed um, to say, you know what, forget what they think. And it's, it, it came up from other people, from friends who were in the industry mm-hmm. and constantly following and checking up on me on what I've done or why I haven't I put nothing out. And one of them checked me. He said, man, you need to, he didn't say get rid of the fear. He used another term, but he pretty much said. Well, he was cussing. Look, sometimes that's what you need to hear. <laughs> that's that's really what I needed to hear because here's a man who is a millionaire, probably does X, Y, Z, but he's more upset with me for not believing in me than than I. You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. that was a major reality check. And then, you know how when you start to think, or well, for me, when I start to consume and live in something and I start to really, truly believe it and I'm doing everything in my power to make the to, to make sure the stars align, meaning I'm I'm exercising in case I got to perform. I'm not going to be out of breath. I'm writing just to make sure I keep my mind fresh. I'm recording just to make sure I, you know, maintain my flow and all that. The more I started to really live in that world, I just started saying F it more to what people think. Hmm. Because the music started getting more personal. And mm-hmm. it's funny because the more personal it got, I, it really got to just be like F it. And when I got to that stage is when I realized that, you know what, I don't want to put out music anymore if it's not a direct reflection of who I am or what I feel or something that I can really stand behind because people really listen and are in tune. And it really touches me or it affects me when someone tells me how a song made them feel or what happened or how they listen to it again. You know, I, I touch on a lot of issues that, that deal with love and relationships and hardships. Cause that's what I come from. I come from a place of love and hardship. You know what I mean? So now I found that balance to be able to not care what people think to an extent I do. I'm an artist, you know, I get emotional, you know, but that motivation to stop is no longer there, you know? So I, I, mm. I, I hope I wasn't too long winded in answering. No, this is what I, this is exactly what I want folks to do. I just want them to (laughs) to talk, you know? And um, so if you don't mind me asking, let me know if I'm getting in your business, but I'm I'm in, I'm in open book. Trust me. Oh, okay. Okay. So what happened to you that put that fear in place where you were worried about what other people thought? Was it was there uh, an experience, or sometimes it's it's just a bunch of experiences. Yeah, it's it, it's honestly been an amalgamation of experiences because you don't realize as a child that some of the things you go. So let me give you an instance, or let me give you an example. Um, something from my childhood that made me, for instance, and it's 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 small things. So let's say you want to, you know, go down the street to go hang with a friend. And instead of just getting a direct note, you get a butt whooping or something like that. You know what I mean? Or let's say you really want to be in a school play. And these are general things, okay? Because let's say you want to be in a school play, right? And you really want to 
be a character. You want to go up there and dance, but then you get told no. All your friends are doing this, but you get told no. You got to be. So you re- rejection becomes a lifestyle that you get used to. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize how ingrained you get you how ingrained you incorporate it into your life until you start to realize how it manifests often. You know, so I'll find myself doing a certain or saying certain thing around people and I and I get that look and they and to to them it's like, okay, what did you just say? Um, or why do you think like that? You know, or let's say I want to put out a music video. And I'm like, you know, it's not time, it's not right yet. I got to change that entire shot. And everyone is like, nah, this is great. I'm coming from a place of if this shot is not right, it's gonna be rejected. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If this song doesn't feel right, it's gonna be rejected. And there's there's a play of toxic of toxic. How do you say that word? Toxic, toxicity. Toxicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that word. <laughs> There's a play of that word in it as well, because I find that sometimes I sometimes you get used to rejection to the point of where when you get non-rejection, it feels weird. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So when, so for instance, like, and that can't be real. This can't it, be real. This it, acceptance, this ain't real. This is a one off. Boom. Boom. That is that has been pretty much my life as it pertains to music. Everyone tells me what they feel from a genuine place or people, majority of people do. But I'm always like, ah, man, you, man, man, you, man, you just saying that because you know me, man, whatever. You just, you just like the hook on that or whatever. That's been sort of what I've been creating for myself. You know, um, so rejection is real. So it comes from a place of that rejection. Um, and a direct instance that, that sort of helped me sort of generate that fear as well is growing up in an environment where people don't celebrate you being an individual. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. When you grow up in, when you can't do what you want to do, when you can't just grab that mic and, you know, saying when you can't just ask certain questions, when you can't challenge what's going on, mm-hmm. you start to hide behind that shield that everyone else created. You know what I mean? And that and, shield is. And that shield for me has been people opening up, has been talking, has been even want to connect with people or putting out something and being and being afraid of, OK, people ain't going to like it. They're going to say X, Y, Z or, you know, it, 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 it presents itself in so many different forms. Right. Rear me back in. I just lost my train of thought. No, that's OK. I was just I was just thinking, OK. There may be that fear that, but, but you, you still put out projects. I think you put out at least two last year. I think one in the beginning in the spring. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then the latest one in, was that August, September, October, somewhere was, around there? That was my Virgo album. That was my actual album. Um, my best work at the time was that album. And that was a big project for me because um, another person who believes in me, tremendously is my little brother Nick presidential and um I made a promise to him um before Christmas it was December of 2019 I made a promise to him that I'm gonna take this a little bit serious because at this time like you mentioned I had been putting out projects I've been putting out singles and videos so people are you know in tune but I'm doing that because I really just loved it this is what I love to do and I'm just sharing it with the world now you know but I made a promise to Nick that I was going to take it serious and um when I make a promise, I like to keep my promises. 
So the following week, we created a plan on what we were going to do in terms of music in 2020. Uh, this is before Rona became all crazy and everything and, you know, shut things down. But we still had our plan in play. And I'm a Virgo. My little brother's Virgo. When we lock in on something, we're in there. And so we created the plan. I started recording. I've always had my I've always recorded. I never stopped recording. I just never took it serious as a business. But now we're operating, okay, with intent to create an album, with intent to sell the album, with intent to create videos that are going to lead to sales and generate fans and viewership and all that. So now things are being done with intent. And um, so I released that project. And so I and since then, I kid you not, I've upgraded all of my equipment in my studio, Mm -hmm. my sound from from the Virgo album, uh, which I dropped on my on my birthday, September 5th. um, My sound has completely changed. You know, um, I forget the book that that that, that talks about ten thousand hours. Um, there's a difference between so Ma- is it Malcolm Gladwell? Malcolm I know he mentioned Gladwell. that. Is it the Outliers? I probably I think so. Like you need ten thousand hours of practice, and he talks about the Beatles, how before they went big and made it big in the states, um, they played they played everywhere, and they had all those hours of practice. Which one? Oh, what book is that? I, I think it is the Outliers. The you Outliers. Know? Okay. Yeah, and um. I was putting in 10,000 hours into music as a hobby, but not as a business, hmm. you know? And so there's a totally different way of approaching it um, in terms of meeting or reaching your target demographic, right? Hmm. And so the the months following the release of my album, I, I just snapped. I, it, it was like I woke up and I'm like, man, I'm ready for this. I'm really ready for this. I've been ready my whole life. And, and this is why it it sort of just clicked for me. It was like, this is your purpose, man, because I had got a phone call the night before, which um, it was a friend of mine telling me how a, a song I put out called Pray, how she had it in loop and it really helped her through a certain time. Mm-hmm. And for me, and then I had, I do things based off of in threes. So when I get three signs of something, that's usually a confirmation for me that it needs to, I need to move with how I feel or what I'm trying to do. And so I just snapped and it was like, cause that was the third confirmation for me. Like, okay, this needs to be incorporated as a business in my daily lifestyle. This, this is your baby that if you don't tone and really define and take and cater and cater to it, you might mess around and lose it for good. And so I just snapped Liz and my sound as of now has completely changed. I found my sound. I can honestly say I found my sound. And it's and different I, than Virgo. Big time. Okay. So what project do you have? What, like, what do you have? Do you have anything coming down the pike uh, this year? Um, as of right now, I record every single night. I write every single night. I either record or write. I strive to record every single night, but I definitely write every single, every single night. And, um, in that process, <laughs> I have archives of music just sitting in my hard drive. So right now we're just, we, we have a strategy in play where we're going to strategically share everything. Um, on a constant basis because um when you say we you mean your team yeah my team yeah i have a team i have two managers now um one is nick presidential who is a digital consultant and a marketing consultant a marketing strategist strategist and then i have eugene eugene is a young republican he's done a lot in in the republican party but his whole thing is marketing branding and getting you in the spaces that you need to be in for your bottom line and so I have these two people working with me amongst other people behind the scenes on the PR side. And um, 
this is real. This is finally happening. You know, so I'm really in a place of disbelief because even as of right now, some things happened today that just blew me away. I got a call from a, a friend of mine in the industry mm-hmm. and he was just telling me, hey, I need to see you put out more content. And I'm just saying like, man, you don't even know you this this comes right in time. This comes I'm right. I'm just trying to tell you something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 and it's it's like the stars are literally aligning themselves. And I'm just not operating from a place of fear. I'm not operating from a place of doubt anymore. I'm just allowing myself to live and to receive from the elements that come my way. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. Thank you for hmm. inquiring about that. Because now you got me thinking and really, you know, like the more I talk about it, like when I do when where I work, I speak out loud because for me it's 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 a reminder for myself of something occurring or something happening. So this is good for me. Talking about this is 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 inspirational because it's still justifying the things that I felt and where I need and you know where I need to go and how I need to get there. So I appreciate you, Liz. Oh, no worries. I appreciate you too. Now, just want to tie everything together. So he has a full-time job. He is, he has a production company and he's also an artist who writes and records every night. So whatever it is that you want to do, it can be done with some scheduling. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to whoever needs this. And I'm also talking to myself. It's possible. So we're going to tie this up. You have a new podcast that's going to be coming out. You're interviewing right now. It hasn't dropped just yet, if I'm correct. It hasn't dropped yet. I, I am. This is. OK, so before I can I speak about this or, or, or can I preface this or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Feel so, free. Um, I recently had a meeting with a professional in the industry. Right. And it was more so the meeting was focused on how can I leverage my talents and really, really, truly, you know, harness what it is that I love to do and what it is that I like to do and what it is that I'm making money from and amalgamate all these three things or these different things. And um, she told me, she said, you're not operating in your purpose and that's been your problem. She said, if you, and she know me, she said, if you look in this period in your life, um, this is what you were doing. The, this is the results. Like, remember how this played out? Remember how that played out? it's always been me operating from a place of either money or purpose. Like I've never really done the two together. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think now is when I'm truly doing that. And the moment that I got that epiphany, when I started taking this music as a business, you know, really taking it serious is around the same time that I started finding just natural ways that it bled into this and it bled into that. And my film and TV career blends into this and the stars just naturally aligned. That was sort of the melting pot for what my podcast is. So essentially what the name of my podcast is called Behind the Credits. And what I'm doing is discussing, speaking, learning from people who are like you and I. They're behind the scenes. They're responsible for a bigger picture. They're the engines behind the machine. They're the oil behind the engine. You know, a lot of times people look at a news anchor or look at a big rapper or look at Um, You know, whoever you look at as someone that's in a place of leadership or someone that you revere, Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, there is a machine behind that person and there are people behind the credits that that person owes their image to. 
You know what I mean? And these are the people that I'm tapping into. These are the people that I really want to learn from because their process is very unique. It takes a very talented person to be selfless, efficient, to care enough, and still let someone else do their thing and stand behind and say, you know what? This is a great project. I'm a part of the team. This is all us. Mm-hmm. That's a mindset that I love. That's 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 really who I am. And I want to tap into all these people, no matter what the discipline is. I don't care if it's music. I can talk their language. Mm-hmm. TV, I can talk their language. I want to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm in it to learn and discuss and share. But not realizing that the way my life has been structured, I've been blessed to live and be and dwell in different environments and different circumstances that afford me perspective. And I speak with people, I connect with people naturally. And I, I really love to learn. I really love to learn. And so for me, I find myself watching podcasts where I'm talking, where I'm learning from someone who is behind the scenes in music. I'm getting behind the scenes in, you know, from marketing to whatever I need to learn. These are all people behind the scenes, you know, and they have a story that they don't often get to tell. And I would love I am going to do it. It's happening. I just haven't released it yet, but that's what the podcast is focused on. And, you know, it's one of those things where I don't care how people receive it. I know the world needs to hear it. I know mm. this. I know there's a problem that hasn't been solved. And these are people that solve a lot of problems and the world needs to know who they are. And so I'm excited, man. Behind the credits coming soon with your boy, I sue it, man. Yay. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. I so get as well. Hmm? Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, Before we before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for being you, because it's been a pleasure to work with you. Actually, it's been a pleasure to work with everyone uh, at uh, at BNC in D.C. And I miss our conversations because we we have to work from home now because of the Rona. And I'm tired of Zoom. (laughs) Look, (laughs) Zoom can get gone. Well, okay, not yet, but it can get gone. (laughs) when we don't need it anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> Liz, i appreciate you man I've, I've um i think we started from ben's chili bowl yeah, yeah that's where we first met it was ben's chili bowl and when when you came in i was like you know what because you came in and you did your interview but you were professional and so when you finally came in as executive producer i'm like man liz is cool you like a big sister man I, that's why i mess with you so much because you like a big sister man i just really wanted to you know i we all bring something different to the table when and like when it comes to our team, yes. our, home, mm-hmm. our, our work family. And you're like the auntie, like the voice of reason auntie. You just, or the voice of reason bigs. You just, we know, okay, if some, just, 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 just look at Liz, you're going to get your answer. Look at Liz. <laughs> look at her face. <laughs> so thank you for being you, man. I love energy and, and, and I love to build from a place of truth. And you are a very real person. And I'm seeing big things, man. This podcast is going to kick off. Some other endeavors are going to kick off. And BNC is going to really come to appreciate who you are, man, as a producer. So thank you, Liz, for even having me. One of our guests today said, hey, I didn't know about it. But now that I know he interviewed with us mm-hmm. and then he found out how to watch. And he says, I've been watching every day since. I'm telling you, man, I get phone calls from people like literally telling me they watch. So I, I started posting because, you know, we need marketing. And I'm like, I got a little few viewership. And, and so, you, you got a couple of viewers, a whole bunch you know, of them. Just a little bit, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. So I post and my friends are like, dog, like I watch this on TV. And I'm oh, like, wow. 
like this is real. It's really happening. And Liz, and you are the executive producer. So your leadership is being watched every single day. You know? Of one show. Just just to just to just to be clear of one show. But it's being watched every single day, whether it's yeah. one show for one minute or if it's a one hour show. It's your work that's on national TV every single day. It's our work. that's on Yeah, national. I was about to say, bruh, we can't so, do this without you, without the rest of the team. <laughs> oh, so I got my first uh, my first email of that sort the other day. Actually, a, a friend of mine, I've known this person so long. I don't even remember when we met. Good. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you when we met. That's how, how long we know each other. And she said she was watching BNC. And then she saw it. She saw the episode on racism. And that's when I got the, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize it. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. So, yeah, we just got to okay, keep doing sorry. what we're doing. I got one of those from a hater. Huh? Yeah, you know how. Okay, we, now I, I need to know. Okay. Yeah, what I'm, happened? I'm to say, so, you know how you know people who you know don't like you. Well, you know you don't like me. Like, bro, I know you don't like me. Well, you've, you've shown it many times that I'm just not your friend. Mm-hmm. And um, I reposted something from that. No, 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 no. They post, they, they, they took a picture of it on Facebook and they tagged in like, oh, look at my friend from college, Miguel doing this thing. In my mind, I'm like, bro, you know that, you know, you ain't like me. You ain't never like me. You ain't never like me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Chris talking, mm, mm, I don't want no part of this. Congratulations, bro. Mm, <laughs> but I appreciated it, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, so I get them too. And but the best thing was Miguel been working out. Hey man, y'all better stop playing with me and Gail, man. Let me tell y'all something, man. Y'all better stop playing with me and my OG. Look, you know? I'm gonna have to find that and put that on uh repost that somewhere. So you should, <laughs> you should put that video right here if you ever post this video, just take it right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let y'all see my boo-boo, man. She, she don't play by Miguel now. I'm gonna let y'all know. She don't play by Miguel, man. She like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so let's see. The 30 second version of that story is our our anchor, that person who anchors the show, one of the anchors, he is uh friends with Gail King. They work together, I think, in Kansas City. And so she was on our show. And when Miguel rolled up in the screen, we're all saying hello. You know, we're all starstruck, right? Saying hello afterwards. And then she said, Whoa, Miguel's been working out. And I said, Auntie, you better stop playing. You talking about language. <laughs> that mess was hilarious. Oh man, that was probably one of the highlights of my of, of, of 2020 for me. Mm-hmm. With L. King saying my name. Boy, mm-hmm. my mama can't tell me nothing now. Mm-hmm. Mama can't tell me nothing. I didn't succeed it, mama. That that's your friend on TV, right? She liked me, mama. What you talking about? <laughs> your boy being a good boy out here. <laughs> Approved by Gail King. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah. thank you so much. I appreciate you spending time. I Liz, appreciate you, man. This is fun. I hope to do it again for real. Okay. Hey, let's make it happen. Alrighty. Thanks for listening to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and to do more with what life presents. That was Miguel Asua, and you can learn more about him and get links to his social media platforms and some of his music projects at planetnown.com. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Noun podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on SoundCloud. And oh, stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Thanks again for stopping by. And you know what? Do me a really big favor. The world needs love more than ever. So drop a kind and positive word to someone in your life. 
Let's do our best to be the best we can, the best versions of ourselves we can. Hatred and fear have no place in being the best human being you can be. Until next time, take care.